Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Well, all right, welcome back to the Survival and Basic Badass Podcast. So today, we're going to talk about stealth survival um i guess what i mean by that is uh when you know what what if you're the world turns to hell in a handbag and uh you know you need to bug out but maybe you can only get so far and you've been fighting off looters all day and you decide to give up your house and you end up where you're camping 100 feet in the woods or you can only get so far what uh i mean 100 feet's probably a stretch where you'd have trouble but you know what i mean um you know where you're worried about opsec or you know people knowing where you are and what's going on and maybe wanting to steal your stuff how do we hide our stuff how do we uh you know find somewhere to stay and and cook and eat and you know survive without alerting the neighbors i guess is the uh the plan here so uh kevin what do you got well i was looking into this a little bit and i i found all sorts of great videos on uh on youtube apparently there's a big a big thing with people camping in like on like medians and uh just off of public roads and I never, th- I always thought about that. Like you look at, you know, you're driving down the highway and you look at the center median and it's so thick with brush that you can't see the cars on the other side. You know, you could set up a, you know, a, a little hammock in there someplace. And uh, as long as you're not running a campfire in the middle of the night, you know, you can almost be invisible in places like that. I thought it was interesting how many people uh, do that sort of thing. Really? I didn't realize it was such a big deal. Yeah, there's videos all over YouTube about people hiding out in like, you know, town parks and things like that. Um, you know, the truth is, if you go to certain places, those places are flooded with homeless people. Yes. And, uh, you know, honestly, if you're by yourself and you don't have your wife and kids and things like that with you, maybe hanging out in the uh, homeless camps isn't the best, uh, isn't the worst uh, idea to uh stay seen but unseen okay now california has a whole lot population of that is that my understanding (laughs) yeah i I get the impression that uh san francisco and la it's like 90 percent of the population is homeless and and i think that uh that that was the deal in detroit too they just didn't tell anybody there that they were homeless so they didn't know (laughs) is that that's wrong i don't know yeah well, I think in, in Detroit um, and a lot of places like that that are were major metropolitan areas that, you know, uh business just went out left and everybody was uh was left unemployed with houses and they just moved yeah. on to someplace else. You've got all those abandoned buildings. And yeah. the truth is, uh 
moving into one of those abandoned buildings is real easy and getting somebody to move out of one of those abandoned buildings is almost impossible. Mm. You know, squatters rights is still a thing in, uh, in the U S I know there's a, especially in more left leaning cities. That's right. That's right. Maybe they hit the, uh, the, the libs have a, uh, one up on us on that. Now, but what's uh, going on uh, with that whole uh, autonomous zone or whatever in Seattle? Is that, are they oh, taking yeah, over that whole six blocks or did they boot them out or what? No, nah, they're still there, man. They've been good. They've been there for a while. And honestly, as much as everybody uh, trashes those people and talks shit, cause it's like a big fucking uh, commie commune. Hippie commune. Yeah. Yeah. I do like the idea of, of the people taking over a spot that's owned by the people. You know what I mean? It's their yeah. spot. The police said agreed not to go in there. They're guarding it with firearms. There's no crime going on in there right now because they're yeah, all trying to so be uh, hippies That's, and shit. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, it's the sort of place where, where uh, rape and assault and theft is, is run, you know, runs rampant pretty quick, man. Yeah, that's how I'd imagine it. Um, I, I know Woodstock back in the in the sixties, and then they had that Woodstock '94, and and yeah. they did all those things. Uh, every time, uh, you know, there was a large amount of rapes and and different things that went on that, you know, mm-hmm. were were known to the locals maybe, but not exactly in the uh, mainstream press because they like to paint the idea as something wonderful, you know. Yeah, yeah. Now I actually went to the 50th anniversary last year. Okay. Uh, The Woodstock 50th anniversary at the original site, but it was only, uh, it was only Santana and the Doobie brothers. And it was only a couple hours. It wasn't a, a real, a real hippie party, but yeah, I thought that got canceled. So who knows? Well, it got canceled except for uh, Santana and the Doobie brothers. All right. Yeah. That, that sounds about right. The Mm -hmm. underwhelming event, huh? (laughs) <laughs> yeah it was pretty underwhelming uh <laughs> not a huge fan of santana or the doobie brothers but you know right. whatever teach his own right that's right. right so let, let's uh let's get into this so uh i mean i i don't know i have like so many topics i don't even know where to uh all right one uh let's jump in uh deep here so let's talk about shelter um right What can you do to have like a low profile shelter? Now, obviously your bright orange tent or, you know, something like that is not going to be maybe your first choice. Um, You have any uh, recommendations on maybe some camping gear or something that might be easy to backpack in or something like that? Yeah, I'd say the best low profile. Yeah, the best low profile uh, camping setup is... um, so they they sell those survival hammocks and they're extremely inexpensive. You can get Dude, them. For I came up with the same thing. Forty bucks. Yep. Yeah, and they have you know if you get a get a good one, they'll have a like a, a set up tarp that goes over top of you that keeps the yes. rain off, keeps you off the ground. You know when it in cold weather, you really don't want to be touching the ground because it just can you know conducts all that cold right into your body. It sucks yeah. the heat right out of you. Um, one of the the videos I watched, and and it was exactly like you're saying. One of these uh, guys camping out in the city parks and and trying to keep the low profile had a uh, they called it a Hennessy hammock, mm-hmm. and it was you know that was the brand name. And they were somewhere like I saw them for like one eighty nine to like two eighty nine, and it depended how light and how you know kind of the right. shape of it a little bit uh, where where the prices varied. And that was just on Amazon. I didn't really search it out, you know, more than that. But basically, like you said, it's a uh, it it had a hammock with kind of a screen, like a little tent kind of triangle around you, and then a tarp that kind of went over the top to keep the rain off you. But right, and it's but, all one piece, like one you, setup. You know, you, you can hook buy it to it, a tree, and yeah, and that's the thing. You can buy it in discrete colors. That'll match the the foliage in the forest, and then they uh, the guy set it up in like two minutes. You know, it was mm-hmm. like connecting in the trees and done. You know, like and it was just wrap around and throw a strap on it, and really super easy, super fast. And the thing is, when you're off the ground, 
you're not disturbing the earth. So mm-hmm. the idea is now, I mean, I guess, I don't know. I mean, I, I was going to say, well, you know, you're not going to disrupt the leaves or, you know, lay down on the plants and things like that. But you probably do have to be careful to not leave marks in the trees from the ropes that you're putting on there. You know, you could kind of could right. backfire where you have a little telltale high up. So just something to be aware of. Um, at least fill it in with mud or something, you know, if it does leave a mark when you go to, you know, leave the next day. So just something mm-hmm. to be aware of there. Now, other things would be like, uh, you know, true like off-grid shelters. Um, but people, when they make their little lean-tos or things like that, what I see in the videos because they're just worried about function. And I understand that, you know, that's, you want quick, easy, efficient, and logical, but the norms that we have in the world are straight lines and, you know, normal, like square cookie cutter. I'm constantly doing battle uh, with my wife and how we set up our yard and stuff. Cause I want things organized and in rows and straight uh-huh. and, She's like, everything doesn't have to be in a line. It could be, you know, and I'm like, yes, it does, you know. But that's the thing. I mean, what you want to do is you kind of want to follow the lines of nature. And you'll see that nature doesn't follow straight lines. It kind of moves and and bends. But what you want to do is you want to look at your surroundings and kind of look at how things are there. Um, Depending on the area you're in, the nature is going to take like a different shape and just kind of blend in and also follow the pattern. So one of the things when actually choosing a site, you want to look for something maybe kind of higher ground where you can see people coming, but you don't want to be like on a peak. So, Mm -hmm. you know, halfway up a hillside, cool. Unless of course it's completely barren and all stone and you're right in the middle of it. That would be a little different, but being up and, and above things is good, but you don't want to break the line that's the natural, you know, forest floor kind of thing and, you know, the whole edge there. So that's just something to be aware of. Um, the next thing you're going to, you know, so once you kind of get your shelter set up, I mean, you know, there's a million things you can do to camouflage and, and there's a lot of great blankets and tarps that are are really dark and blend in and there's stuff that's broken up like a, uh, think like a ghillie suit. They have mm-hmm. that, that material that's, you know, patched cloth kind of thing that'll, you know, break up everything around there. That kind of stuff can really make it easy, but actually using nature, but also keep in mind, if you break a bunch of branches and, and throw them on your thing to cover it up and make it look nice, um, all those broken branches, one, they're going to die in like three days. They're going to look brown and whatever. And I'm not saying that mm-hmm. from the hippie point of view as much as I'm saying they're going to be really obvious that somebody was there. Right. So, you know, if you can find stuff that's already dead and already, you know, broken up and trees that are fallen and utilize that stuff. Um, I know like you get in the pine forests and things like that. There's a lot of branches and things that you can use that are you know, kind of natural in there without disrupting living things, you can really kind of help maintain a more natural look, I guess, is what I'm going for. Another thing when you're going to and from your campsite, you want to make sure you don't have like a worn path where you're going the same way kind of every time. And maybe, you know, make a few sharp turns kind of thing in in your, uh, you know, I, I, I was watching, um, a movie and, and a guy was was staying with a camp and he had like a secret location and he was worried about kind of being followed or whatever and just you know yeah that's cool that you know I mean I, I think in this case like every night after everybody went to sleep he was getting up and going off to his other place where he had hidden supplies and, and things that he was keeping from the group and well if if you're easily followed, you know, if somebody can follow you from 50 feet and be like, oh, you know, he went in the bushes over there, you know, right? then you're going to be in trouble and you're really running the risk of getting exposed. Whereas I think if you, uh, you know, hey, you go in the bushes over there, then 
once you're under the cover of the, of the thicker foliage, you could go one to three different directions. Then, you know, and things keep splitting. It makes it that for somebody to follow you, they have to kind of be right on you. And right. it makes it a little easier to spot them. And you can also make that, you know, hey, I crossed this field and then whatever. So somebody following you close has to cross that field and is totally exposed. So they're going to wait a little bit and, you know, j- just make it a little more difficult to be found. Um, yeah. The a, other lot of, thing, a lot of our guys down down south don't really uh, uh, don't really have to deal with uh, snow, you know. Um, mm-hmm. when you're leaving tracks in the snow, you d- you don't want to, uh, you don't want to keep tracking over the same spot. You know, you want to leave as few tracks as possible. You know, you don't want to be going in and out of your campsite, um, you know, where you, somebody sees tracks back and forth and back and forth. Um, but you know, yeah. snow is one of those things also where you are limited on, uh, on your coverage, you know, all the, all the leaves are down, all the trees are bare. And also it's a different type of camouflage, you know, the, uh, brown and green isn't necessarily going to blend into the snowscape as well as, uh, you know, as well as white or brown wood, you know? Right. And that's where, uh, stealing the, uh, the wife's sheets off the bed, you know, might that's pay it. off. I'm just saying, mm-hmm. you know, hey, so, all right. Something to think about there. Um, Next, uh, let's talk about uh, fire and cooking. So you guys have heard us mention, and a lot of people in the survival uh, community talk about the Dakota fire hole. Right. Um, so let's talk about that. So that what a Dakota fire hole is, is basically it's a fire that's in the ground so that you're not seeing flames, usually less smoke, and you're uh, you know more discreet from you know others seeing it and it usually burns pretty efficient and for a long time. So they're kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. so the way you want to do that with a, uh, the fire hole, let me, uh, check my notes here. I have some, uh, some size requirements fire. Yeah. Um, so what you want to do is you want to dig a hole. It really depends on what you're trying to do, but if you're trying to heat you and especially you and another person for all night long, you're going to want to uh, dig a hole like two to three feet deep. Um, you're going to want to make it the circle about a foot, a foot in diameter. But again, I mean, this is all relative. You can make it kind of any size you want. But figure two feet deep, a foot wide, and then about a foot and a half, a foot away, you're going to want to go about a foot and a half deep. So, you know, three quarters or whatever, something like that of the depth of the first hole a foot away, you're going to dig a hole and then you're going to connect the two underground. So the big hole is where you're going to build your fire. Now you're going to kind of want to build like a traditional fire in there. And then the air is going to feed in from the second hole. Now what you want to do is the main hole or sorry, the, uh, the vent is on the upwind side okay. and, and what's going to happen with that. And now upwind is where the wind is coming from. All right. So downwind mm-hmm. is the direction the wind is going. Upwind is where it's coming from. And if you're super worried about security and the smoke and, and that kind of thing, cause smoke does smell and people are going to notice, um, you want to kind of have a tree as a backstop. Um, mm-hmm. So the tree would be on the downwind side, right? Right. So, you know, the wind, the vent, the tree, and then you're kind of sheltered around that. Now, there are ways to build a fire with less smoke. Now, this is kind of weird and and tricky. Now, smoke comes from the moisture and the impurities in the wood coming off it, right? That's what's going to give you all that that heavy smoke that gets you into trouble, like burning leaves or things like that. It's usually because they're wet and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So in order to do a a smokeless fire, now the Dakota fire hole is one, you're keeping the flame underground. The way that it vents keeps it from being like a roaring fire with giving you the, the big heavy smoke. But one of the things for a smokeless fire is to typically have 
the fuel be at the bottom and the kindling on top. I know that mm-hmm. sounds a little contrary to, you know, traditional fire building and what we know. And it's not the super most efficient way, but once you get it going, it's going to pay off more long term. So right. imagine if you did like, we'll say three quarter inch sticks, make a base so a little air can get underneath. But again, remember we have air coming in from the side, right? So then put your main fuel for the fire, which are your bigger logs, your, you know, heavier things that are maybe four inches, something like that in diameter, um, probably three to five inches anywhere in there. Then the smaller kindling and stuff like that around the outer edge to kind of heat it up. And once you get it burning, so what's going to happen is at once you are able to light the heavier logs and, and fuel like that, What's And the air coming in from the side is going to actually draw the fire down onto the logs Mm -hmm. and, you know, help start that. But what's going to happen is as you burn the thicker stuff, the main fuel of the fire, what's going to happen is you have all that smaller kindling that you're going to keep feeding on top still burning so that all the impurities have more of a chance to get burned up and mm-hmm. kind of pass off. So that's going to give you a more smokeless fire. So I don't know. I'm sure that was too much detail and you guys probably didn't want to know, but I try and give you <laughs> something that, you know, is a little bit new and, and makes you think, um, the, uh, what else? Uh, let's talk about, so well, cooking. Yeah, go ahead. Let me just eating. touch on this. I'm going to say something controversial and shocking. <gasps> uh Oh, I know it upset my wife when I mentioned it, but you can actually camp without a fire. You don't even need one. Are you You sure that's camping? (laughs) You get those heat packs and keep yourself warm like that. They have real nice, um, you know, when it comes to cooking, you can eat food cold. It's, it's possible to do that. All right. So you can, you can open up a can of beans and just eat right out of the can. I actually found something pretty freaking cool that uh, that that matches up with that. Well, one, Kevin might tell you about his friend Sterno and uh, cooking that way with the small little fire with very little smoke or smell. Um, mm-hmm. There's a company called Esbit that makes the Esbit folding pocket stove. Now, mm-hmm. these have these little fuel pellets and – they're kind of, I mean, if you think of the fuel pellets, they're kind of like a one-time use, but, uh, I mean, you know, with what comes with it, but they're about 13 bucks. And I I didn't research, uh, further into buying more replacement pellets. I'm sure that's gotta be an option somewhere, but to buy the little metal folding stove and enough pellets to boil a couple things of water is about 13 bucks. And it's basically like tiny, like five, I don't know, somewhere between four and six inches. And you just basically fold out two legs and you can set a little pot on there. But Mm -hmm. I watched a guy boil water. I think it came with six pallets of fuel. And Mm -hmm. uh, I watched the guy light it with one match. And uh, he uh, was able to boil a pot of water with two pallets. So, I mean, that's pretty awesome. And he's cooking, no fire. I mean, a small fire, but you know what I'm saying? You're not burning woods and Right. And it doesn't produce uh, smoke. Those pellets don't really produce smoke. Same thing with uh, those rocket stoves that burn on uh, propane, you know, the small propane tanks and it, you just hook the the stove right on top of the propane tank. And, uh, you know, they make them small enough that it's light enough that you can, you know, you can cook easily three meals on it and carry it in your pack at less than a, less than a pound or two. Yeah. Um, I also saw, I mean, they had this really cool, I I think the weight was going to push it over the edge for being the camper, but if you're setting up your secret compound, um, they had this guy had this hellfire rocket stove for 90 bucks on Amazon. And it was like, it was like cast iron. I mean, it was like, but a rocket stove and I'm like, Uh I mean, in the pre are probably 20 pounds, you're carrying it in the woods. So it's not Mm -hmm. like in your bug out bag, you know what I'm saying? But if you're right. setting up a camp, it kind of seemed pretty cool where the guy was able to feed in the, fo- you know, in the flames and have it come right out to a small cooking point kind of thing. And mm-hmm. there were a lot of like, 
I, I don't know what type, probably stainless steel or something, but uh, smaller, thinner ones that people had that folded up into the backpack and were reasonably lightweight. Um, possibilities are kind of endless on Amazon there. You know, you can go down a rabbit hole and, and find all kinds of gear. I mean, we're not exactly gear junkies. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it depends on the thing, right? Uh, right. But uh, so there's a lot of neat ways to cook. And like you said, having a fire realistically if you're that close to to civilization probably no fire at all is the way to go but if it's a necessity doing it in the ground like that is going to be a huge asset versus the other it's going to definitely 100 percent cut down on the smoke and then two it is definitely going to uh you know keep it so they can't see the flames through the woods or that kind of thing and catch you so that's right. you and know, if- if you've ever been camping at like a campsite uh, at night, you can look around and see everybody's fire. You know, it's no, really yeah. visible at night and you, right. you want to be conscientious of that. If you're trying to uh, stay hidden. Yeah. I think in the Navy, they used to tell us, uh, you know, because of the flat water and no, uh, no um, trees or anything to block anything out, no leaves and debris. Uh, you could see a lit cigarette from 14 miles, and uh, that's yeah. kind of a big thing, you know. Yeah, so I actually could tell you a story about that. I remember when I was first first in the Navy, first uh, med cruise, first couple weeks, we were out in the Atlantic, and I would stand and watch in the back, and everybody's got, you know, darkened ship, but there are other U.S. Navy ships out there around you. And uh, I remember sitting on the, uh, on the fantail of the ship, and I could see, I could see this faint, faint orange glow light up and then go out, and then light up and go out. And I could tell it was somebody smoking, smoking the cigarette. And I could see the ember lighting up and going out. And uh, so I called in the, the uh, on the sound powered phones. You remember the sound powered phones, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I called up to the. Uh, uh, now, did you have to turn the crank and it was like, and then <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the yeah. growler, isn't it the growler? <laughs> but uh, yeah, they, they told me uh, in the radar room, they told me that that ship was three miles away. So I could see somebody smoking a cigarette from three miles, you know, and I and know you could see it, you know, you could see further, it much right. further than that. Yeah. So just, I mean, we actually, you know, the ships now are, well, I'm sure even then, were designed with uh they had like a, a smoke break kind of thing so what it what it is is a break from the wind but it would be the side of the ship and there would be a, a secondary wall that would actually hide you right um so p- you could smoke and not because god forbid we don't allow people to smoke but then again i think isn't that the rule now don't they not smoke on ships i, I don't really know i'm not i'm not sure i haven't been keeping up to date too out of touch like, i mean you know yeah. vietnam was a long time ago so you know who knows i, I can't yeah. remember what i remember one happened. of the older guys telling me that when he was when he was a youngster working on the ship one of his friends was just smoking a joint on sure. the on the ship and the and the chief went over and was like dude put that out like it was not even a, a big deal. They big gave zero thing. shit. They were drinking on the ship. You know, that used to be, you know, remember the USS Constitution, the first US Navy ship. Yep. Um yep. I was I was reading the uh the amount of times every time they stopped in port, the How supplies they would take in and take off. They took in ten times as amount of, of rum as they did fresh water. They would stop in after being out for three weeks and not even take any new water in. They just pour no, the rum in the water and it's good. It's you just stay, right out of the tap, right? a little right? drunk all the time. You never have a hangover. That's smart. See, thinking outside the box. Um, right. Another thing people think is, oh, um, like there was that movie Into the Wild and different things. Oh, if I just bring this gun, you know, I'll be able to hunt and whatever. But now realize that you're totally killing your OPSEC when you have a gun. Think of how far away you can hear a gunshot. And, you know, a twenty two, it's better. Suppressed weapons, you know, hey, these things are all going to come into play. But even, you can still hear them. You know, right. they're they're not Even silent. pellet guns, pellet guns are, uh, have a noise. can be great for sm- hunting small game, squirrels and things like that. Pellet um, guns. I have a friend that does a lot of, uh, he does a lot of poaching. Mm-hmm. Sure, and, that sounds on, uh, completely wrong. Um, yeah. 
I, I don't even know you. Okay, go on. <laughs> but he does it. He does it on uh, on privately owned um, wildlife sanctuaries, and sure. uh, they they're always out there trying to catch people. So the trick is, you only fire once. If you miss, you're fucked. Just you can't take a second shot because the second right. shot is how they're able to track down where you're at. The first shot you hear, but you never are really sure where, what direction it came from. But it's that second shot that gives you away. All right. Um, just yeah, no, you I know, for any of you guys out there, if you're if you're planning on doing some poaching, that's just a little heads up. And and another tip for you poachers out there, you can take a deer with a headshot with a twenty-two, no problem. I'm just saying, <laughs> I read that in a book one time. Yeah. I'm just it just takes one shot in the head, and a deer will go down. Um, I, I, I saw it in a movie. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, moving right along. Uh, foraging becomes a thing when you're trying to be quiet. Mm-hmm. But again, covering so much ground, you're exposing yourself. But if you're grabbing while you're on the move, if you're able to recognize and look at plants, that's a big thing. Now, trapping is also silent, right? Um, mm-hmm. Bow hunting or crossbows, those are mm-hmm. also silent. Fishing. Doesn't draw a lot of noise. Um, people usually looking for you might be looking by the water, but if you can find a discreet location, you know that's up to you guys. Um, the uh, a spear is also another way. Turns out you I can actually do things. I did oh, see a guy take a bear, a bear with a spear one time in a in a video, but I don't feel like I will ever be capable of killing something with a spear i just what was every time what i was trying to throw a stick right <laughs> just, what was the movie where the guy had the spear that he made and the bear came at him and basically fell onto the spear like he planned it he set it up right like and held it out as the bears coming at him and the bear kind of jumps down on him and ended up impaling himself yeah i remember the movie it was uh alec baldwin and uh uh was Shit, it that one? Yeah, and Kim Bassinger yeah. or whatever, and yeah, yeah and so. uh, Hannibal. Yeah, Hannibal. Uh, what's Hannibal his name? Uh, <laughs> Anthony Hopkins. Hannibal actor in there. Anthony yeah. Hopkins. I was <laughs> like just telling somebody at work about that movie because he was like, "Well, you know, a lot of people don't have the practical knowledge," and I'm like, "Well, there was that one movie about that, you know, with mm-hmm. the practical knowledge versus book knowledge and whatever." Right. But you know, book knowledge versus no knowledge. It turns right. out is huge. Yeah, um, big difference. Big difference versus no knowledge. Now, mm-hmm. hands-on knowledge, actually starting a fire with a bow drill is very different than reading about starting a fire with a bow drill. Yeah. So turns yeah. out starting a fire with a bow drill is way harder than it than it looks in any sort of the uh, any of the movies or the uh, TV shows. They cut out that forty five minutes in between where you keep, you know, you just keep going with it and and nothing happens. Yeah, but it also it's a skill that can be learned, and once you learn it and learn the proper technique, it's something you can apply. You know, so keep it in mind. Uh, another thing too, when you're doing like the Dakota fire hole or setting up a tent, think about not disturbing the earth. So if your camp is going to be short term. What if you cut like the the layer of the circle of topsoil and set it to the side so you can actually just drop it right back over the hole? Things right. like that. Being aware of how much you're disrupting your surroundings if you're pulling up camp and moving, you know, frequently. Just you know, keep that in mind. Right. I guess not such you a big deal. Leave, yeah, you don't want to leave clear evidence that somebody was camping there if you're worried about being tracked or followed or or looked for. Right now. We've all seen that people go to the park and they leave their beer bottles and used condoms and whatever else on the ground. I don't know what it is with used condoms and camping, but apparently that's a thing. Yeah, and everywhere. Uh, they're everywhere. It's, it's I'm glad a, everybody's having safe world. sex. That's all. That's all. Yeah, you know. you're willing to give it to that? Yeah. All right. So, keep, the, keep the chlamydia down on, you know, <laughs> down, to, down to just a few people. I got to you know, say. You don't have to share everything with everybody is all I'm saying. In STD through the apocalypse doesn't sound like something <laughs> that you'd really want. Yeah. You know, if you can get go to the doctor and get a penicillin shot, it's not such a big worry. But when you can't, man, that <laughs> those crabs can really be. 
be uncomfortable. Uh, just disturbing. Um, so I don't know, but that, that's basically, you know, I just wanted you guys to kind of think about it and, and get an idea of, you know, how to be a little more discreet, some ways to kind of, you know, not get caught. Um, if you're running away or, or looking for something and I'm talking about kind of a, uh, like apocalypse, uh, shit hits the fan. I know we never thought the apocalypse was going to come, but now it's looking more and more like everywhere I turn, you know? Yeah. Every day, like, right? well, maybe I could see that happening. You know, yeah, if you now- told somebody, you know, Oh, you're going to be not allowed to go to work or whatever. And, and that'll go on for months or, you know, you won't be able to go to the stores or restaurants will just close down. And all of a sudden your livelihood is shut down. You, they would be like, oh, that's ridiculous. This is America. Nothing could happen that could do that. And then, well, I guess there's something could, but, you know, teach his own, right? Actually, yeah. to my point to that, uh, there was I was down at the uh, gas station the other day, and they had a big sign out front that said, free roll of toilet paper with every fill-up. Nice. So I was like, hey, they got it going down there. Yeah. Now, if you guys really want to look into somebody that that pulled off the uh, the hiding out in the woods through FBI manhunts and stuff, Eric Rudolph was a uh, he was the Olympic bomber. Do you remember oh, yeah. him? Now he, so he was up in the Appalachian Trail. Is that right? Right, right. And he hid out there for five years, just living in the woods, not being seen, not being found. Um, and uh, they had a whole. FBI search teams with dogs out there looking for him and they never found his ass. Yeah. The only reason they found him is, is five years after he went, went missing. Everyone thought he was dead. Everyone thought, you know, he, uh, he went to somebody to hide out at their house and they ended up killing him and hiding his body so that, you know, he couldn't be found, but they did eventually find him. He was, uh, he was, uh, police got a call from somebody rummaging through a dumpster behind a grocery store. And, uh, they pulled up on him and first he ran and tried to climb over a fence. And then he just was like, ah, fuck it. And climbed back down and said, yeah, you got me. But five years they looked for him and never found him. And uh, if he had just climbed up over the fence and ran off, they probably would have been like, ah, fuck it. Homeless guy's gone now and yeah. left. Nope, they got rid of him. No like problem. That. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's it. I mean, the isolation and stuff can really uh, get to a person. You know, you got to think about the quality of life and kind of life you want to lead. I always wondered about, you know, if that would be the place to go is those long trails. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, because they are set up and there is water and stuff like that. And a lot of the amenities are solar, you know, as far as, you know, you're going to get a lot of lean twos along the way without electricity and things like that. And they do have shelters. I just wonder how many people have that same idea. Um, I did read one of those prepper books on uh, on that. On a guy ended up his car broke down in like I don't know somewhere, and he was trying to get back to Virginia, and ended up you know going through the whole Appalachian Trail heading back. And uh, right, it's the Appalachian down there through North Carolina and Virginia. Is that right? Yeah, that's the right one in my head. Yeah. 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 I don't want to sound too crazy. All right. I don't know. Kevin's the big guy knows every freaking hiking trail in America, you know? <laughs> um, now, uh, so you were saying, uh, some of the things that might just push you to, to moving out to the woods. You said, uh, you had some concerns that the police are not really backing down. They're still kind of out of control. Um, I see that the, uh, the cops are, uh, it seems like, they're doubling down on asshole activity. Like, Hey, maybe if we just keep bullying everybody, they'll realize that it's okay to be bullied or I'm not really sure what their logic is on this one. (laughs) Yeah. It seems Um, like, yeah, all the protests on police brutality, the cops are like, you know what we ought to do? We'll break this, (laughs) this protest right up. (laughs) We'll, We'll show them. Yeah. Um, no, I, I mean, know a lot of people are really hating on the on the Black Lives Matter and Antifa and all that sort of shit. But you know, honestly, um, I I fully support uh, peaceful protests, fully, fully, fully. But I also I also support you know when when you speak out about something over and over again and nothing changes, you know sometimes you got to fuck shit up. I understand why people get upset, right? You know, no, there's no doubt. 
Yeah, stealing from stores and shit like that. You're not protesting. You're just be taking advantage of a situation and stealing shit. There's a big yeah. difference between the two. But um, you know, when they're throwing fucking tear gas at you and like they did in Washington, DC, and you're peacefully protesting and they're throwing tear gas and flashbangs at you, you know, you kind of have an obligation to fucking stand up for yourself. I don't have any problem with that. Everybody's losing their fucking minds about it. Yeah. But the truth is, that's what they want. They want you to lose your fucking mind. They want you to pay attention to what's going on. So right. whatever. Fuck shit all you want. You know, I, I don't have any problem with what's going on. And everyone's t- I, I hear all this shit about oh, Antifa is moving out to the rural communities and this shit and that shit. They're not. You settle down. Settle down. If somebody tries to break into your house to force anti-fascism uh, on you, uh, shoot them in the face. That's not a big yeah, deal. I, I would do that. Yeah, It's not a big deal. You don't have to uh, tolerate bullshit on your property. But you also don't have to fucking worry about them coming out to your log cabin in the woods because they're not going to. They don't give a shit about you. That, that's just that. Um, what I did want to talk about, though, is the uh, Breonna Taylor case. Okay. That was the uh, no-knock warrant uh, in, um, uh, I think that was uh, in Kentucky, Louisville. Okay. And uh, basically, they were looking for somebody. I think everybody's heard this story. They were looking for somebody that had already been captured and was already in custody. And he lived in an apartment uh, a couple of years prior. So they went to that apartment at 1.30 in the morning. They kicked in the door. The guy that lived there woke up out of a dead sleep, realized somebody had kicked the door in. Now, the police said they shouted police, but everybody in all the apartments around them said they heard the door get kicked in and they heard the gunfire, but they never heard anyone say police. Right. So, and even so, you know what? If you come and stand outside my front door at 2.30 in the morning and yell police and then kick the door, I, I don't know that I'm going to register all that while I'm asleep right. and whatever. Who knows? Maybe I had a few beers the night before and mm-hmm. whatever. I just know somebody kicked in my door and is coming up my stairs or coming in, you know, whatever. Right. It's going to bring you Shit, to attention. Shit's real. Shit just got real. And what are you going to do about it? So the guy that lived there was a legal gun owner, legally owned his firearm. People kicked in his door at 1.30 in the morning. He woke up out of a dead sleep and fired and hit one of the officers. So the officers returned fire, 20 rounds. They fired 20 rounds and didn't hit the person they were trying to hit one time. 0% accuracy. They carry a firearm for a living and couldn't hit in 20 rounds their fucking target. They did kill somebody else. They shot somebody who was sleeping in a different bedroom eight times. Well, sure. When was the last time you used your firearm at a a fucking, um, you know, when was your last fucking training? When was the last time you you practiced firing? Because it seems to me like it was never. You should not be allowed to carry a firearm around with you if you can't hit your target with 20 rounds. 0% accuracy. You hit the wrong goddamn person too, which is even worse. Uh, New York City about five years ago, um, there was a guy that was having a uh, uh, schizophrenic break and he was just going crazy, running in and out of traffic, losing his goddamn mind. Cops show up, shot at him nine times, missed him, but managed to kill two other pedestrians. Now the guy that had that mental break is charged with uh, manslaughter because the cops didn't know what the fuck they were doing with their, with their guns. Yeah. Nah, it's, uh, it's the not police... the crazy person's fault. It's the cops fault for shooting the wrong goddamn people. Yeah. That sounds accurate to me. Um, yeah, no, it's it's all the time. Uh, there's that stupid untrained uh, cop with uh, that Daniel Shaver. Mm-hmm. Is that his name? Uh, yeah, Daniel Shaver was the one in the hotel. And mm-hmm. now, I know you looked into that story maybe even a little more than I did. And uh, that's the one where the guy, you know, maybe they got a noise complaint or something and the cops come in and, and they're like, get on the ground and, you know, get on your knees, crawl to me, but keep your hands in the air. And the guy's like, I can't crawl and, and keep my hands in the air. I don't care if you fall on your face. Don't let your hands touch, you know, that one. Right. And uh, it was ridiculous. But my question is, 
why the hell did cops have an AR-15 in a hotel? Like yeah, in the hallway. Exactly. Like exactly. you're like, oh, there's the noise complaint. Better grab yeah. the AR. I'm heading in. <laughs> yeah, better get high-powered rifles for this. Shit, shit could uh, get for real. This building that is that is uh, heavily populated. Walls. Right. Yeah, exactly. Paper thin walls. Right. We've all been so, in a hotel and heard the person in the next room fucking. Every every one of us has dealt with that situation. You know, oh, a yeah. bullet will run right through drywall. That's yeah, all that's no, between those walls. It's. I mean, I, I just can't even make sense or comprehend these things, you know. So my thought is, all right, you, you know, I know we got some cops that, you know, I'm sure like at least two of you are still listening to us. And I know mm. we actually used to have a pretty big uh, cop uh, audience. Well, come on, man. Like, just work on the shooting. Like, you know, I had a buddy who is a, a police sergeant and, and actually uh, – you know, they, they were going to make him the uh, chief and then he decided to retire because things were turning ugly in the world. But uh, anyway, this guy goes to the range and shoots like once a year. Mm-hmm. The rest of us are shooting way more than that. you got to step up your game. Now, I agree. There are some decent guys out there and there are guys who really care. And I was having a debate at work, you know, because I'm like – you know, I don't even understand. If I see 50 people all, you know, jackbooted thugs, cops with uh, freaking uh, big shields and masks, and they're just pushing over people and whatever, if not one of them stops to help and pick up somebody who gets hurt or, you know, I, I understand it gets out of control and it's chaos and, and it's hard to handle. But you got to do the right thing. And if there's 50 of you and not one of you is doing the right thing, it, it looks bad, you know, that just, yeah. it's not going to help things. Now there it are makes the protesters point for them. Right. Exactly. There are communities where cops are doing the right thing and they're going out with the people and saying, Hey, you know what? You guys have a valid point and you know, we're here to stand with you and we want to work with you. And there are communities that are doing it right. And that are, you know, and the media seems to want to spread the hate and, you know, make it like it's only bad and that's all we see and it gets everybody riled up and, and I understand why you'd be concerned. So, you know, I understand both sides of the picture and I also know that it's hard to stand up to your other cops and you're kind of like, well, if I say something and report, oh, I saw this guy do something bad, my chain of command doesn't care. They're just like, yeah, shut up. We don't care. And, uh, you know, that's how things are. If you're the problem, we'll get rid of you. If you don't like your job, move on. So I understand that kind of thing happens. And maybe it's better that you stay in your job and, yeah, you keep your mouth shut, but you're at least one good guy out there doing the right thing who's not going to shoot my dog. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. I get where you're coming from and I understand the other point of view, but just be aware of how it looks and seriously – Freaking learn to shoot. I don't understand. I, I think I had mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I think it was in the podcast, but you know, about how uh, New York City, they were saying that uh, you're, a cop is more likely to be shot by another cop than. Yeah, uh, that sounds right. And yeah, they said like in all of 2019, every cop shoot, cop getting shot was by another cop. And I was like, that's ridiculous. That can't be true. And then when I started Googling it, I kept saying, oh, look, here here a cop got shot. And then you read the article and you're like, oh, well, it sounds like it could have been a friendly fire. And so, yeah, yeah. But they're always like discreet about how they say it. So it, I'm not saying that it's a, you know, only that happens. I'm just saying it's something that does happen and maybe step up your game a little bit. So, you know, whatever. And if you want to hate us, I understand. Turns out it's just your turn to get picked on if you're a cop because – We've been picking on everybody since way back. I mean, Kevin's offended just about everybody. Um, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I've left anybody out, but you know, I'm gonna we'll keep get working on this. Just hang I'm in there. Get, we'll get to you. I'm gonna keep being as as offensive as possible, and I don't want anyone to feel left out. But I'll get to you. All right, all right. So, and I know. I do also want to say, you know, I I don't hate cops. I just think that there are a lot of fucking assholes that become cops. Just like there are a lot of assholes in every profession. It's just most professions don't have guns and, and batons. Yeah. Uh, it turns out my credibility at work comes from one of my buddies. Oh, 
oh, don't get mad at, at Chuck because, you know, he's hated cops since way back. And I'm like, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't new for him. He's already, <laughs> he's already expressed concerns. Usually it's because uh, we're having big discussions about the ATF and dog shooting. But, you know, mm-hmm. you know how it goes. So if you do appreciate us and you want to support what we're doing, you guys could head over to patreon.com slant prepping badass and um, maybe sign up to donate like a dollar a month and and take care of us now as little as a dollar a month will actually get you one of those cool prepping badass patches Mm -hmm. and maybe we'll get around to sending it out in the near future who knows Mm -hmm. that's right Um, that's right maybe kevin i know has some cool new patches that we have available and we are going to try and make those available for purchase. I know you guys have been asking. He says people are getting antsy. Um, I'm trying to figure out a way to do it. I just haven't. I mean, really you just need to send us all your money and we'll send you something. I mean, that that's kind of how it works. Yeah. You send Sign enough up cash. On Patreon and get we'll, a we'll knife. A patch. Yep. Yeah. That's how it's going to work at least. All right. So yeah. we'll do with that. You're at least going to get the prepping badass with a dollar. And if you go over a dollar, you probably get some more cool shit. You know, mm-hmm. that's how it works. Um, also, I don't know if you guys have ever heard us mention Tag Pack. They basically put together some tactical gear for usually for the AR-15 kind of guy because a lot of it is like AR-15 parts, and things like that. And what they do is they have a subscription where you send in like forty nine ninety five a month and they send you a bunch of gear. And what they do is – because they buy in bulk and send it out to everybody, they're able to get like a hundred dollars worth of gear to send to you for that fifty dollars a month, and they just find the best deals and put together some cool shit that you never thought of. Um, if you use the code Badass, turns out they will uh, hook you up with some extra special cool stuff. So something to think about. If you have questions or concerns or want to tell Kevin about how he's wrong about his cop hating ways then you should shoot us an email at preppingbadass at gmail.com. Otherwise, stay safe, and we'll talk to you guys next week. The Survival and Basic Badass Podcast is a proud member of the Self-Defense Radio Network. Mm-hmm.